This is a sex pot comedy production. Why the fuck did we read this book? Required recast. Well, hello. We're back. Episode three. Happy February. Happy February from Required Readcast. Oh, and we are jumping into a book that I, when asked, will sometimes say it's my favorite book. Um, it has it's a debate between this and Les Miserables. That's a tall it's order. Tall order. Um, where does this rate on your faves? It's definitely in the top five. What's oh? What are your other four? Oh shoot! Now I'm on the spot. You are on the spot. Um, uh, uh, can I just lump all the Harry Potters yep. into one? <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so the Harry Potter series uh, is definitely up there. Amazing Adventures of Cavalier mm-hmm. and Clay. Um, on some days I would maybe put World According to Garp in there. It's adorable. It's a great book. Uh, I don't know. Lots of things I'm forgetting. How about you? <laughs> it's this, Les Miserables, uh, All the Harry Potters. Yes. This weird little book called To Say Nothing of the Dog and The Stand by I Stephen King. I was going to say, any Stephen King? Mm-hmm. I think there it's The Stand. Go. I think it's my faves. But we've talked around <laughs> what the title of this Whoops. book is. <laughs> As the book we must not talk about. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is our book this week. By Harper Lee. By Harper Lee. And we are not Har- Harper Lee. I am Lauren Ballman. I'm Jessica Austin. And we are here to tell you all about this glorious novel. Which was written in 1960. And I stumbled upon this book in, I guess, like 1994 or 1995 when I was wrapping up middle school. I was either in 7th or 8th grade. And we had to read this book. Um, I went to La Paz Middle School in <laughs> California. And I just remember it because uh, all our classrooms were outside. And I remember walking down an outside classroom and hearing a discussion of the book coming from inside. And I like totally lurked outside the other class because I loved it so much when my class read it that right. like, I wanted to eavesdrop on another class's discussion. Because <laughs> that's the kind of nerdy I kid I was. I love that. I love that. I... I am finding that I must have read this a little bit later because mm-hmm. it seems like most people read it in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. I remember reading it for the first time freshman year of high school. Okay. So I don't know why. Well, I, honestly, but, I mean, like, some of the themes. Like, I mean, it is thematically. Well, and the, co- the copy I have right now, I can't find my copy, which is really stressing me out. Oh, no. Because a missing book is, like, one of the worst things. Uh, yeah, I'm having a hard time with it because I really can't remember. I must have lent it so, to someone. I don't know. But anyways, the copy that I have is actually the eighth grade boy that I nanny. They just read it this year. I thought you were going to say like when you were in eighth grade, you stole the book from a boy you had a crush on or something. Oh, it was that like... would have been a way better story. <laughs> no, no, no. I just stole it from the kid who I take care of sometimes. It's always um, <laughs> no, but I, so he read it, he just read it this year and a lot of people read it in eighth grade. I read it freshman year of high school and then I read it again in college and I read it again as an adult. Mm-hmm. I've read this book and then just now so many times. Again. It's yeah. good. It's, it, it's easy to reread mm-hmm. or in this case, listen to, I listened to it this time. Well, that to sounds mix it up. Delightful. Yeah. Um, oh, I have to point out, uh, because I besmirched our good friend John Moore's name. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Oh, right. I checked, and I was like, hey, did you read To Kill a Mockingbird yet? And he's like, do you mean ever, or do you mean recently? I was like, well, ever, because you told me about 10 years ago you'd never read it. And he's like, I was lying to you, I guess. <gasps> so uh, he's a lying liar who lies. Well, that's me. what he gets for being so good at cl- casually lying. Mm-hmm. 
You know what, John Moore? That's, John Moore, we love you, and we're really we love sorry. You, but that's we, on you, buddy. Yeah. We told, <laughs> we told lies, but they must have been based on your lies. But um, thank you, John Moore, again. We're sorry we besmirched your name, but you did give me this copy. That it's I'm, a beautiful copy. But I'm holding it up on display as if I'm displaying right. it to the microphone. Listeners, uh, take, a, <laughs> take a look through your earbuds. That's not how you show books I don't on think a this, podcast. I don't think this technology has been invented yet. <laughs> I don't think GarageBand does that. No. But all these people have vlogs. If we wanted to put on makeup and or pants, we could have a vlog too. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) No, no, Jessica and I spent a good five minutes before we started recording today talking about the pros of (laughs) podcasting, which all include not having to wear any clothing if we don't want to. No. You don't know. You don't even know what we're wearing. Or not wearing. What? And um, makeup. No makeup. Hey, on that note, <laughs> to, to kill, kill a mockingbird. <laughs> so, uh, you know, th- the summaries are always really, really long. And I went with the E-Notes one because it's nice and short. E-Notes summarizes this book as a girl growing up in a small Alabama town during the 1930s learns the importance of tolerance in To Kill a Mockingbird. And since we'll be discussing the film as well, the Netflix summary says, Atticus Finch, a lawyer in the Depression-era South, defends a black man against an undeserved rape charge and his children against prejudice. Uh, And I think my tweet-length summary is, in telling the story of how her brother broke his arm, a little girl uncovers a lot of racism. My Twitter-length summary is, hey, boo. You just won. <laughs> you just fucking won the internet today. Uh, hey, that boo. was a cheap trick. I had to go there. Hashtag, hey, boo. Hey, boo. Uh, which brings me to, uh, just real quick while we're on the subject, do, do you think this is like the first hey, boo in history? Yep. It is. I think the invention of, of, of the word like boo. That's my boo. Mm-hmm. No. It has to be. I mean, it's not, a, it's not like a super term of endearment in this book. I feel foolish even saying it. Maybe it's My wrong. boo. Speaking of which, speaking of being, we want to make sure that everybody knows we're sensitive to a lot of the themes in this book. Oh, shit. Um, uh, not to make light of that, but really, and, and especially it's a little startling reading it um, again, even though I read it several times and I'm aware of it, but even now there's, there's pages that you kind of wince a little bit. Um, yeah, so, and I think in the interest of disclosure and just being aware of it, of that it's 2018 and racial tensions are really high and there's a lot of fucked up shit happening all around the country. And I think that Lauren and I just want to say that we're aware of that and want to be sensitive as we negotiate this book. Right. Um, we tell a lot of jokes and are kind of sarcastic on this and... I, we're going to save that for Scout and the Yules and Atticus. <laughs> and I don't feel like making jokes about our friend Tom Robinson because oh, his story no. is fucking tragic. It's, yeah. And and, uh, I'm, and I'm sure we'll get into that as mm-hmm. we go through, you know, the plot of the book. But it, I felt like there's an extra layer of tragedy in that I can't believe that this is something that could still happen now. Well, it's set in the 1930s. It was written in 1960. And in 2018, you're still having black men killed Mm -hmm. uh, with little consequence. And that's appalling. Yes. Uh, So we we will 
be touching on that a little more, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, we're not making jokes about that because that's no. not shit we joke about. No, Mm-mm. that's uh, not funny. But we're gonna joke about. But a I will say, hey, boo, all I want. <laughs> that I will say. You may, you may say that because Scout said it, and she's Go. the coolest kid ever. But this is the only book that Harper Lee wrote until recently. <laughs> Uh, but for a, the a book good, which we will not speak of for some time for a good long time this was the only book that Harper Lee had under her name mm-hmm. and it is one hell of a book to have yeah uh, uh, there's a I feel like there's a whole legacy to it uh, mm-hmm. because it's saturated there's a there's the play there's a movie there's um I found out that the uh courthouse that they used in the movie they have now turned into a museum. Have they really? Um, is it a yes. Harper Lee museum or like? Yeah, a- it's a it's a museum for Harper Lee and the book itself. Wow. And once a year, the local townspeople do a production of the play. I thought you were gonna say get a box of stones. Get a box of stones. <laughs> <laughs> they say who's the boo now, and somebody. It's all coming back around to the lottery. No, but once a year. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, once a year, they do a production of the play, which I think is adorable. And it is a town called Monroeville, Alabama. That's great. So if we're ever in Alabama, hey, Alabama, do you have an improv festival? Would you like us to come? We, we can come and we can perform. We will come and perform, and then we will go to your To Kill a Mockingbird Museum. You know, that reminds me of uh, something I think I read on the internet, that <laughs> Doug Jones, the senator recently elected in Alabama, was in a production of To Kill a Mockingbird <gasps> in that same fashion. And it might be the Monroeville one. Like, he stepped in, and it was kind of like a reader's theater thing. It uh, might be that, because it said that this is, I guess it's a, the event of the year, and it, like the tickets sell out immediately, and it's a big deal, and the whole town's there, which is really cool, but wouldn't that would be amazing. Now be amazing. I need to find out if Doug Jones was in it in Monroeville. I'll Google it while we talk about Harper Lee. Yes. Um. And, um... It seems to me that Harper Lee based a lot of this on her real life and on growing up in a small town in Alabama. I guess Maycomb itself is not a real town. I guess Maycomb is a fictional name, but um, uh, she based a lot of the characters on people in her real life, and it sounds like she just took a lot of what living in a small town was like. Her father had similar circumstances to Atticus. So she was raised by an older single father with her siblings. And, um, but she's a fascinating person just herself. Well, she grew up with Truman Capote. Yes. As and her friend. And that's who Dill is based on. Oh, I love him so much. Which is the best. Oh, Dill. Dill breaks my heart. Dill is... I have two favorite characters. One is amazing and one is terrible. But I'm going to hold on to that until we get to like, hey, uh, Doug Jones appeared in a production of To Kill a Mockingbird in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, okay. In 2013. The production was staged by the Virginia Samford Theater for the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Movement. That's really cool. I love that. Wow. All performances featured juries selected from eight Birmingham law firms. Huh. Oh, and Scout attended. The Mary Badham, who played Scout in the film, attended. That's lovely. Wow. Good on you guys. I like that. I like that they did that. I'm glad you elected Doug Jones. Good job, Doug Jones. Well done, Alabama. Uh, Anyway, back to Harper Lee. Back to Harper. Her real name was Nell Harper Lee. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. 
Nell was, I'm glad she removed the Nell. I like I, Harper. Yeah. Well, so do a lot of parents in 2018. Exactly. <laughs> There's so many Harpers. You know what's funny is I, I always thought that. I'm like, I like the name Harper for a girl, but my theatrical mind always goes to Harper from Angels in America. Oh, yeah. That's a bag of crazy. We don't want that. No. <laughs> I'd, rather, mm. I'd rather think Harper Lee than, than that Harper, than Harper well, Pitt. I always said that if I was going to have a son, I would... Uh, Atticus is one of the names. That's my dog's middle name. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my god. It really my- Archer Atticus. <laughs> well, because if I was going to have a kid, I'd name it Atticus or Angeras, and that's Dexter's middle name. Oh, you guys. We're I would, such dorks about our dogs. I it? should never have kids, though. I know. Well, well. Yeah. yeah. Let's face facts. Don't name babies Angeras. <laughs> or do name babies Angeras. Yes. Somebody please do that for us. Thank you. Um, no, it's a great name, though. Mm-hmm. And they must like it because they don't even call him dad. They nope. call him Atticus too. Yep. I had never even, I had no concept of that. Like the first time I read this book, I remember thinking that that was one of the most standout things to me was, I was like, but he's their dad and they just call him Atticus and that's that's so cool. Like, but I wouldn't want to call my dad Jack and, you know, like it's just, it's such an interesting mm-hmm respect thing with them I think it's because I feel like Atticus always speaks to them as if mm-hmm. they're adults and kind of treats them with that type of respect and that's their way of sort of giving it back to him I guess yeah I don't think I mean they don't talk a lot about Mama Finch but no. but I feel like Atticus always kind of had them on the same level like he didn't have to do that like patriarchal stuff like no. you will refer to me as not at all. It's it's lovely. I'm yeah. Like, Hi, Atticus. Oh, I love it. Oh, that was another one. Um, Finch was uh, her mother's maiden name. Oh, that's nice. So that's how Harper Lee fit her mother's maiden name into the book. Well, I like that she went, you know, she went to college. She's studying. She's writing for, like, the review there. And she's publishing essays that are anti-racist. She's publishing short stories. She's we worked for the something jammer, slammer, bam, <laughs> Alabama slammer. She attended the all-female Huntington College in Montgomery for a year, then transferred to the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, where she wrote for, or studied law, wrote for the newspaper, um, but did not complete a degree. Oh, they don't mention the thing about the name of the comic thing. Well, and I know, I, I did read something where I think she started, she did start writing Go Set a Watchman. Well, okay, first. stick a huge fucking pin in that, because yeah. we're going to attack that in about 30 minutes. Yes. Because there's so much to talk about. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she, but like I she, think she was early on writing that also. Mm-hmm. But pin in it. Yeah, pin in it. Um, basically, she showed whatever she was writing on, which may or might not have been Ghost of Watchmen, to an editor, and they're like, great, yeah, you should keep writing. And then her friends gave her money for a year to write. And that's how she wrote the book. Like, I think that's incredible. If I had money, I'd give it to you to let you sit and write Thank for a year. You. It would just be jokes. It would just be poop emojis. That's fine. And foxes. Thank it you. It make me laugh. That's really nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not getting to kill a mockingbird. Um, <laughs> no. Well, I know we gave our, like, our little summaries and our twitter size summaries, but I feel like um, I feel like there's kind of two books happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's... There's Gem and Scout and Dill and their childhood adventures and kind of, you know, growing up where they're at and what all of that is like. And, of course, Boo Radley. Mm-hmm. And then there's Atticus and his trial. 
with Tom and, um, I mean, and both of them, of course, merge and Scout and Jem are part of both. But I feel like there's those two main plots that are running kind of concurrently. Yeah, and then when we do, they do intersect so violently at the end, Mm -hmm. which is one of the scariest scenes in a in literature in a book that is not horror. Like, I, I, and I know we'll we'll probably talk about this a little more when we get to the movie, but I actually I feel silly saying this. I jumped two times when I watched the movie, and I know knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I've read it several times. And I still, when um, the shadow came, on, when Boo's shadow came on the porch, mm-hmm. and then at the end, in the woods, and I feel like she she really was good at building that suspense. You're right, for something that was isn't a horror, I mean, I know they call this, it's a southern gothic book, but I don't know, I don't know that. But I feel like her ability to build that suspense and especially with Boo, is pretty incredible. Well, I just love the idea of Boo Radley being the scariest thing to these kids, just mm-hmm. because he's unknown. Mm-hmm. They've never seen him, and they can only imagine terrible things about him. Um, and then we as the reader are the same. Right. You spend this whole book building up in your head who this person is. Yeah, this like pale ghost of a man who stabbed his father in the leg with scissors at some point. Right. And he's just constantly out and about creeping, according to, you know, the rumors from the local kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he turns out to be so gentle. And saves them. And saves them and left them gifts all summer. Like, he just loved them. Like, I just get this sad feeling of this man trapped alone in a house who doesn't want to go to the outside world or can't. And all he does is watch these kids. And he must have been watching them since they were, like, babies. Right. In in a way, they're almost his children, is how she describes mm-hmm. them later on. And that whole part breaks my heart. But, but it's never... Because that's a tricky thing to write, too. Mm-hmm. Like an older... And he's not older. I mean, he's probably, what, like late 30s? 20s, early 30s? Yeah. But just the idea of this man who's watching children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that wasn't it, written right, it could come off as really bizarre. But it's so loving and beautiful by the end when you find out who he really is. She does such a good job with that. And I think he's in stark contrast with Bob Ewell. Oh, because, yeah. I mean, the, ki- the, the children know Bob Ewell. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the devil you know. Like, they're f- afraid of Boo because they don't see him. Right. And they're, they keep Bob at a distance because they do see him. They know to be afraid of him. But I don't think they really know what a monster he is until the end of the book. But he's the, he's the monster that you see. Um, he is somebody who is creepy around minors. I mean, I believe that he assaulted Mayella. Oh, a hundred. I mean, I don't mean hit her. I think he raped his daughter. No, I and I think he did that mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Um, because she even makes some comment about that. Yeah. At, at one point to Tom, like when they're talking about it, how she wants to kiss a grown man because her father doesn't count or something yeah, yeah. like that. Uh. That that line really stood out to me. I was like, ooh. Because you could be like, oh well, you know, ooh. kiss your dad on the cheek to say hi, but you're like, I think it's mm. something worse. Oh, we don't want to know what all was going on in no, the old house. But yeah, I mean. But no, you're right. The that concept of the monsters that we see in plain sight versus mm-hmm. the ones that we 
conflate and blow up in our heads that then turn out to not be nearly as dangerous as the ones that we've been looking at the whole time. Yeah, and I mean, in plain sight, it's. I think you're able. The scary people are able to hide a little more. Mm-hmm. Like I think everybody knew that Bobby was a piece of shit, but I don't think everybody in town knew that he was uh, abusing his daughter. Like, right. And I mean, if you take it even further, and you do talk into the racism element, the fact that he's able to hide because he's white. I mean, the fact that he's mm-hmm. able to, because he's still a white man in town, which instantly, even though he's. The biggest piece piece of of trash Mm -hmm. that still gives him an advantage over wholesome, wonderful Tom Robinson. Yeah, who is nothing but an upstanding man. Right. Who goes out of his way to help a girl break up a piece of furniture and... Never By the way, fun. love the term shiffer robe. Well, I don't even know what a shiffer robe is. <laughs> um, I believe it's like a large dresser like type. armoire? Yes. It has lots of drawers and things. Cool. Yeah. Now it's I, a good now word. I'm, it is a good word. <laughs> the shiffer robe. A shiffer robe. Um, well, so Mayella Yule is actually my... Oh, Mayella. My, my loved, terrible character. Okay. I just despise her and she but also have that sad pity i think the same sort of feeling scout has in the courthouse when she's watching mayella testify yeah oh god that broken girl like just peering out from a sheet of hair well because she's someone who never stood a chance nope and that's uh, i feel like people who even if they are horrible if it's somebody who was born into the circumstances where they were they were screwed from Day one, she was screwed just by being born a Yule. Mm -hmm. You can't help but feel a little sorry for her, even though she's doing a really horrible thing. She is is getting (laughs) a man Condemning a man. Um, So no, I can't forgive her that. But at the same time, you look at it and you're like, well, what chance did she ever have? Mm -hmm. And since she's the oldest and the mom's gone... And she, who knows what she has to put up with. Well, and the whole testimony that Top Robinson gives about her, about her swept yard and the, the little pl- flowers in cans mm. and that she's been saving up money to send her siblings to get an ice cream, like, that she actually had this almost, like, motherly domestic heart. Right. And, and in different circumstances in a different world, I mean, you, you really get the impression that she really does have an a genuine interest in Tom. She sees a man who's kind. Yeah. And she knows she knows all the things she's doing is wrong. She knows she's overstepping lines. She knows all of this, but I don't think she thought this was going to turn out the way it was. I don't think she thought her father was going to see her getting embra- or embracing. No, a black I think man. she thought she had it all planned out. And she fucked up so bad. Mhm. And I mean I I think her actions in the courthouse and her lying and all that stuff is uh unforgivable of but course you, you I, I pity her on the front end mm-hmm. and then I mean what it all turned into was an opportunity for her father mm-hmm. I mean that's the other thing too is she's got she's got to feel at least a little bit of guilt I'm sure she does for knowing what she's done mm-hmm. or she doesn't and she grows up and it gets harder and yeah. uglier and is one of those people protesting segregation or integration and then that's sad too mm-hmm yeah. Um, no, that's a good choice. I, I, I would love to have played her on a stage production. Yeah. Because honestly, my no. I mean, you could really sink your teeth into that too. That's a great part in her in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. 
Well, her whole thing, and I this is one of my absolute favorite lines ever, is the lawyer says, how many brothers and sisters you got, Miss Mayella? And Harper Lee writes, Seb-m, S-E-B, apostrophe M. And for some reason, Seb-m, like just sort of that defiant little like truncated word. She doesn't say it right. She's defensive. Like that is so packed and it's one word spelled incorrectly with a weird author inserted apostrophe. And that just, oh, yeah. Or along those lines, the concept of she thought, she thinks she's being mocked because she's finally in a situation where Atticus is calling her miss and, and saying please and thank you and being polite. And treating and she, her like a human. And treating her, treating her with respect. And she automatically assumes that he's mocking her. And t- <laughs> I can't even imagine. That you're like, like so- she's never even been spoken to in a in a regular way. And I mean, they don't, she they probably never leave that house. Oh God. She's just in their house all day long and went to school for like a year. And then, well, I imagine too, that when any Yule shows up in town and make them, they're not treated well by the general population. Right. Well, there's the whole thing with the first day of school. Um, the Yule who shows up and they're like, ah, Fuck it. He's just here for to call roll on the first day, and then we probably won't see him again the rest of the year. Yep. And the town just accepts that now. Yep. They're like, well, that's who those people are. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the um, the whole thing with Walter Cunningham, who, what an amazing minor character. Like, the whole thing about his family being mm. dirt poor as well, on the same kind of financial level as the Ewells. But, you know, Scout points out that he's a Cunningham. They don't take anything they can't pay back. Like when that teacher's trying to lend him that quarter to buy lunch, and Scout's like, oh. he's probably never seen three quarters together in his whole life. No, and they bring him home to eat. Um, the Cunninghams, oh, Walter's the dad, right? That's right. Walter, and then Walter Jr.'s yeah. the boy. Um, yeah. He's probably one of my favorite, just minor characters. He's and wonderful. especially in, and in the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like what they do with him, it's so subtle, but that whole scene I was talking about when we got here, mm-hmm. um, when all of the men have come to kind of harass Tom in the jail and Atticus is he's know, in the door with the chair outside. Yep. Yeah. And um, Scout and Jem are there, of course. They're always where they're not supposed to be. I love how Atticus even still tries anymore to get them to stay home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're all, I mean, they're all about to storm that place and go after Tom and Scout is able to, just because she talks to Walter, like a regular human. Yeah, hey, I know you. Hey, yeah, I go to school with your son. He's a really good boy. He's a good boy in school. And how that just totally transforms him, and he can't go through with it, and he gets everybody to leave. It's that little moment. And that's when you're going, oh, that's Scout also learning from her father. She doesn't really probably have a full concept of what's going on in that moment. She just knows all those men are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just seeing the way that Atticus deals with situations, she learned that too. Yeah, and I don't think, like, it, I think for Atticus, he, you know, is an adult and knows kind of how to manipulate things. I don't mean in a bad way. Right. No, of uh, course. But he's like, if I speak to this person, like, man to man, we'll have a mutual level of respect. But Scout just sees her father treating people with respect and is like, well, oh, then I can do that too. Mm-hmm. And just or, or beat the crap out of him. She could go either way because she's Scout. Because <laughs> she's Scout. She's going to treat you with respect but still beat the shit out of you in the schoolyard. <laughs> she's scrappy. Oh, she's so great. Oh, I just love her. I just, I mean, 
of course, I wanted to be you wanted to be a little girl like Scout when mm. I read that first read that book. I mean, I was still several years older than her, but it's like this is a cool little girl. She's a cool little tomboy. Little girl. Yeah, Miss Jean Louise. Miss Jean Louise, and I'm glad that she's our narrator. Yes, yes. Um, oh yeah, so that was going to be my, one of my mm-hmm. main questions. Um, I've always found it interesting that it is it's an, a child's voice in that it's Scout, but it also is Scout looking back so it's her adult perspective as well mm-hmm. but I feel like like do you think that Harper Lee would have been able to get away with writing some of the things the way she did if it wasn't coming from a child's voice well okay let's this is this is go set of Watchmen talkie time okay because if I want to straight up set for those of you who don't know go set a Watchmen is a book that was released in 2016 um, by Harper Lee at the end of her, as she was older, um, much, much older. Yeah, she passed away just a few months, I think, after After publication. And um, she, uh, there's a couple of ideas swirling around it in that some people are like, this is the original manuscript that she brought to the publisher for To Kill a Mockingbird, which you alluded to earlier. Yeah, just, I had just read that she had been writing that writing it in that context before and then it was like a friend of hers or somebody caught onto the story and was like actually really like the character of Atticus Finch mm-hmm. and so they and they just started going in the direction of To Kill a Mockingbird instead. Yeah, it was basically like, hey, this uh, story about adult scout mm-hmm. with flashbacks, the flashbacks are more interesting. Tell the story of a child scout yes. with Atticus. Yes. Um, so saying that go set a watchman was redrafted and turned into To Kill a Mockingbird. And then some people are like, or it is a sequel in that it's the same idea as that original manuscript, but was then redrafted to become this thing. Yes. So either it was a prequel or the original version that was crafted and made publishable, or they took that idea and she wrote something new. But, I mean, from what I've heard, uh, her caregiver at the end of her life urged her to publish, and it shouldn't have been published. Right. And I've never read it because mm-hmm. I've just heard various things about, <laughs> well, I mean, frankly, like that Atticus comes off a little more racist. That he stands shoulder to shoulder with the KKK and protests um, desegregation <laughs> of schools. Yeah, and that's, there you go. And I, I can't do that. This is one of, this is me being a very stubborn I have a very strong affinity for this character, and I don't want to tarnish that image. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if it's, sorry, Harper Lee, an inferior book. Like, why do I want to... Because I've also heard it isn't as well-written. It's not as well-written. Um, I think that people don't think the character arcs correctly, and that's exactly why I haven't read it, and I don't intend to. Neither do I. I don't think I, I can do it. No, I don't want... <laughs> <laughs> to have a image of Atticus gone to seed, like no, or at least a, a moral seed, because he's sort of been a compass point as far as what would Atticus Finch do? Do that? Oh, absolutely. So then, when you're like, oh, Atticus doesn't want schools to be uh, desegregated. Ooh, no, thank you. Mm. Um, this is interesting. She actually passed away February nineteenth, two thousand sixteen. So we're we're close. very close to the anniversary. Of her passing. Yeah. Uh, so Lauren and I aren't going to read Ghost Out of Watchmen, so <laughs> we could just make speculation. I'm just going to guess plot points from here on out. 
the, <laughs> I did want to read this bit from what the NPR. What if it changed the punctuation? It was you just insert a comma and then it's go set a watch, man. I like it. Okay, I'm gonna set my watch it's right a, now. It's a hippie book. We changed it. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Thanks. Um, the NPR, NPR book review of this. The last sentence of the review. I just want to read because I think it's great. <laughs> All I know for certain is that go set a watchman is kind of a mess that will forever change the way we read a masterpiece. Oh no! See, mm-hmm. uh huh. I'd just like to enjoy my masterpiece without a side of hot mess, please. Yeah, and if that comes from NPR, I I trust them, and um, I feel like. My opinion would align with yeah. NPR. I'm glad this reviewer read it, so I don't have to. Oh yes, it came out. So it came out in July of 2015. Okay, and then she passed away in February 2016. So I like that we just throw out dates and then well, we Google. were very close. We were close. We were within. Then I remember I have this mini uh, computer device in my hand that I can find any piece of information I wish. It's the amazing Google phone. <laughs> um, so we've talked about. Your your favorite bad, bad character. character. Um, or mine wasn't super bad. No. I would just say my favorite minor characters yeah. was Walter. But uh, favorite major character. I mean, it's really hard because I do love the kids. But I'm, I mean, Atticus Finch is one of my favorite literary characters of all time. Just in general. Mm-hmm. It just, and, but it's hard because I love Scout very much. Well, she's very much her father's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I but I just love him. He's great. My favorite major character um, is Charles Baker Harris. Oh, Dilly, Dill. He's good so old Dill. The just the description of him of having like duck fluff hair and having his mm. pants pinned or buttoned to his shirt. Like he's just such an awkward little thing. Oh, and, it's like, so cute. Well, in his introductory line, which I had to dog ear in my book because uh, I say this a lot. Oh I, yes. My husband's like, Jeff's like, uh, are you going to say your favorite line? I was like, seven. He's like, no, not that one, because that's a little racist. I was like, it's not, but I can see how we would get that, um, which I've already talked about. And My favorite line from To Kill a Mockingbird is seven. He's like, no, it can't be that, but it, which is, I'm Charles Baker Harris, he said. I can read. Yeah, that's the first thing he says. That's going to be my new introduction. I'm Jessica Marie Austin. I can read. <laughs> Will you please? Um, <laughs> it's gonna be my new slate at auditions. <laughs> Jessica Austin, Radical Artist Agency. I can read. <laughs> You're hired. Yay! A woman who can read. In 2018. Caster. <laughs> uh, there's something just so oh about Dill because of uh, every. You always know that child who's just highly boastful because. They're making up for everything. All of the shitty things that you can tell must be, I mean, not terrible, but he clearly doesn't have the parents he says he has, and he he clearly doesn't have the home life he says he has, or any of that. And the way he talks versus the way his life actually is is so different, and it's so oh. Well, when he runs back. When he runs away to come back, because mm-hmm. I just feel, I feel like Scout and Jem are the only kids who are nice to him. Yes, like I feel like where he lives, he's not. They're not nice. He's probably totally oh, bullied. Oh no! Well, yeah, I th- I'm sure that when he found Scout and Jem, he found actual friends, and his fascination with Boo is very different than it's like I pathological. Feel like Scout and Jem's fascination with him, uh, but based on Truman Capote, I yes. Mean, and I read that. Um, 
because uh, Truman Capote and Harper Lee were childhood friends, that that was that was how they met. Was mm-hmm. Truman Capote? His parents sent him to live with other relatives for the summer in Harper Lee's town. Well, I mean, when you look at <laughs> considering that this is the man who wrote In Cold Blood and was yes. so transfixed on this series of crimes that you can kind of imagine how a young character based on him gets obsessed with Boo. Like, in, like, the macabre and the mysterious. Oh, yeah. Like, though that's the same person. Mm-hmm. That writer is totally that kid. Like, they love it. They're amazing. Yes. No, he's he's such a great little, little, little guy. Little guy. Little guy. And just that also the way that Calpurnia mothers him. Like, mm-hmm. I but, just... Like, no questions asked. Atticus either. It's mm-hmm. just, like, he's here and can come in whenever he wants and we'll feed him and everything's great. Like, they don't ever question the fact that he's around all the time. Yep, he's just suddenly instant family. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because his aunt is super annoying. Ugh, um, yeah. But you know who's awesome? Miss Maudie. I love her. I love Miss Maudie. Do you think Miss Maudie is a lesbian? Possibly, yes. <laughs> Actually, I found a list of euphemisms for lesbian in old films and movies. Ooh. Um, and I didn't have time to cross-check and see if that applied to Maudie in this book. But I was wondering if Harper Lee was like, nope, this is my lesbian character. Well, and it's funny because I feel like early in the book, you kind of start to wonder if she has, if she an Atticus, like if she mm-hmm. has a thing for Atticus, like if she could be his new wife or what you know yeah. of course I know that's not going to happen because we know what happens in the book but I feel like because given the time period mm-hmm. and because they were both single and because the way this town is you would think that if they thought that would work they would have pushed it harder you know what I mean yep so maybe everyone's just like oh that Miss Maudie she's just keeps to herself we just don't need to worry about her marrying a man Has lots of cats <laughs> mm-hmm. she probably does have a wall I'm gonna I'm going to find that uh, article and tweet it because it's really interesting. Like, just the cool no, I clues to look for in old movies that make me lesbian. <laughs> uh. Excellent. I like that. First clue, the character's played by Katherine Hepburn. A hundred percent. Just my, my first go-to. If a woman's wearing pants. She's a lesbian. <laughs> before a cer- <laughs> in a certain year. Lesbian. Good for her. Good for them. So some of like the more childlike parts of the story, I think, get run over by the courtroom because I think you're we're, we're like meandering along through summertime and school stuff and playful stuff and let's make Boo Radley come out, but then that then the courtroom drama happens, you know, the Tom Robinson story and boom, like I feel like that packs such a wallop that some of the earlier episodes get forgotten. Yes, um, like the whole Mr. Bose incident, mm-hmm. like just the whole um so for those of you who haven't read the book recently uh jem loses his shit on a camellia bush yes um just chops off chops down all her flowers because he is pissed because this nasty old lady miss dubose just basically sits on her porch and screams abuse all the time at the finch children um so you know they walk and walk and walk in and at some point, Jem can't take it anymore. So he grabs Scout's baton uh, that she's learning to twirl and just goes off on this bush and destroys it. She wanted that baton so bad. Scout <laughs> loved her baton. And 
And I think what was interesting about that whole thing was they really they really were trying because Atticus keeps talking to them about, you know, she's an old lady, mm-hmm. you've just gotta you've just gotta deal with it. Just and 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 isn't it though that she says something about Atticus? Atticus. Yep. That then is what makes him just totally lose it. Yep, she and goes that off happens a couple of times in the book where the same thing happens with Scout with mm-hmm. her relatives, where oh, yeah, Ew, that's and that's bad. But it seems like it, I love that protection they have of their father, mm-hmm. and how even though they're trying so hard to mind him and do what and follow his example, that ironically, if if it's something about him, they can't anymore. And they lose their shit. <laughs> yeah. And there's just something so endearing, though, about the, about how much they care about him. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Miss DeBose chops up all the flowers. And as punishment, Jem has to go read for her. Read to her. Like an hour a day. An hour a day. In um, just indefinitely or something. Yeah, indefinitely. Like a month or... Until the punishment's over. Yeah. Um, and Scout goes with, because Scout's awesome. And, you know, she's like, the... Mr. Bose is mean to Jem, and she keeps she keeps hurling abuse at him. But and it comes kind of sporadically, mm-hmm. and it's strange. Or sometimes she'll be out cold, and she's asleep. But if she's awake, she's like very irate. Mm-hmm. And it's later revealed that you know that the clock gets turned, the timer gets turned a little later each time. And she was using Jem and Scout being there as a way to get off of painkillers before she mm-hmm. died. <laughs> Her final act was she didn't want to be beholden to anything. Yeah, she didn't want to be an addict when she died. So she used these kids to help her break her addiction. Really heavy stuff in this book. I mean, when you think about... There's already the racism layer. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, the crime of rape is in this book. And then, then as a side story they throw in this old woman's struggle with drug abuse well and that's one of the things and it's so heartbreaking and it goes by in a blink and that's where my discussion question comes Mm -hmm. in because as scout's telling it she's Mm -hmm. like we did this thing for this old lady and as an end note atticus said this and for scout the experience was being tortured in that house by that old lady having right but the crux of the matter is that she was using him to get off of drugs. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, what did, what did you experience as a kid? Because the scout does this a lot in the story that you didn't realize was something bigger until later. Like she experienced the shitty ex- uh, afternoons at this old lady's house and later realized it was because of the addiction. Um, so I, my discussion question is what did you ever realize meant more when you were an adult? But I'll do my stupid one, because yeah. mine are stupid. Yeah. Uh, I, when I was in second grade, I watched The Breakfast Club daily, <laughs> which should not be a thing for second graders. Uh, a, second I, grade? Yeah. Well, I've mentioned this so many times that I spent a lot of time hanging out at my grandma's house with yes. all these teenage aunts. That's right. And so they all had... <laughs> inappropriate t-shirts. Inappropriate t-shirts and inappropriate movies. But I watched The Breakfast Club every day, and I loved it. But I did not realize until maybe I was in my 30s that um, they were smoking pot. That's what all that smoke was. I was like, wow, it's just so foggy in there. (laughs) That library is very foggy. Right, it's just so foggy. Why is that part of the library so foggy? Do they have a steam room? 
But then when he says hot beef injection, he's talking about fucking, right? Well, yeah. Okay, I thought I did not know what that meant. And I was like, please. Hamburger? Does she eat a ham? <coughs> so, and then my other stupid one. I'm buying you more time to think of good ones. My other stupid thing that I experienced as a kid and didn't realize was um, I didn't realize the central premise of Three's Company was that Jack was gay or pretending <laughs> to be gay. I just thought it was a funny show about a funny guy who fell over some things. But again, later in life, I was like, oh, he was pretending to be gay so he could live with the ladies. I understand now. <laughs> so it takes on a whole nother meaning now that I'm not a moron. <laughs> I don't even want to tell any stories because these are just all so it's great. It's such trash. Oh, I'm trying to think. Um... We're going to have to, you're going to have pauses to oh, We're definitely going to have a pause. It's okay. Uh, so. Okay, I got one. Oh, yeah. Um, this is, this actually, this always makes me feel really awful. Oh, no. <laughs> so I grew up in Arizona and there were always, all those, all these lizards around. Uh-huh. Um. And they're they're pretty cute. I mean, they're not super. They're cute little lizards running around. And uh, I remember my friend, one of my neighbors. We would sometimes we would try to catch them. And she, I remember, was trying to catch one, and she like slammed this bucket down, and it caught its tail like cut it uh-huh. and I mean I'm sure the lizard died but she she tried to tell me that oh no if you cut a lizard's tail off it's still alive well, that's true yeah but not this kind oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> because then we would try it and I was like oh well whatever you know it's fine it's and then finally my mom one day was like Lauren you're killing those lizards like they're not they're not running away. They're dead. And I probably had to go in my room for a very long time. It was very sad. Oh, no. Um, How many did you kill? I don't know. More than five? Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay, good. No, no, no. <laughs> five is the limit. I mean, that lizard. was kind of like my brief experiment with, like, Am I a kid who, like, catches creatures? Turns out, not so much. You are not a news commander. And then I just assumed everything was dead from there on out. So, yeah. And then I just felt awful for, like, months anytime I saw one of those little lizards. But that was me believing my stupid friend. And you're right. There are some lizards that you could do that. Not this kind. Not that kind. Oh, no. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, so that was sad. But that's what I liked a lot about this book is that Scout could... Because, and this ties into your question, because Scout's going from a child's perspective, she's able to go around some really sensitive subjects. Yes. Yes. Um, Harper Lee's able to navigate the writing. That was, it's a smart choice Mm -hmm. because she's able to navigate certain things that way. Um, And she's got a father who answers the tough questions. I mean, that's the other thing too, you know. Atticus, what's rape? Like, yeah. how the fuck do you answer that when right. a kid says that? And how that's all because, and Calpurnia didn't want to address that. Oh, yeah, ask your father. Calpurnia, we've barely touched on Calpurnia her. Calpurnia is awesome. She is just such a badass. 
I mean, she just has those kids back. And I love how much they love, I mean, even though, you know, there's a lot of Scout initially talking about like, oh, she gives me a hard time mm-hmm. and this and that. But you can tell just what a good part of the family she is and how Atticus, that whole scene with uh, Atticus's sister mm-hmm. and talking about, oh, you don't really need her anymore. And he's like, she is staying here as long as she wants to stay here. Yeah, yeah. Because we do, because she's family. She wouldn't. We would not have gotten through if we didn't have her. Well, and it is this kind of strange juxtaposition of him being the stand-up for the African-American community mm-hmm. and representing a black man, and he still has he still a black woman in his house taking care of his kids. Mm-hmm. But he never treats her like that. I, I think across the board, I feel like we see Atticus treat... Every human being the same. He gives Mayella Ewell the same amount of respect that he gives his beloved family member, Calpurnia. I would that's, say she is a family member. That's a great point. Maybe that's one of the things about him that mm-hmm. makes him so lovable. It's that integrity mm-hmm. and his fairness. You're yeah. right. Um, I feel like that's one difference in the movie is they really don't, they kind of completely eliminate, like, the side plot, like with his brother and mm-hmm. going to visit the family and all of that. You don't really get as much of a backstory on Atticus. But it's okay. Yeah. You don't really need to. Well, movie Atticus is a lot warmer than book Atticus, yes. I think. Gem, too. I was actually surprised because I did it in reverse this time. Mm-hmm. I watched the movie and then I was... I actually tried an audiobook for once in my life. Wow. Be- because Sissy Spacek... Not- narrates this it's actually pretty good um but after watching the movie and then going back to the book I'm like wow Jem is a lot harsher with Scout mm-hmm. in the book than they did that in the movie maybe that was to make them more likable on screen I don't know but um but yeah same with Atticus because Gregory Peck is just warm uh likable eminently likable like and that's like book things. Atticus is not likable. No, no, no. He's he's just he's a little slightly more detached, and mm-hmm. he definitely is their older dad. You know, because <laughs> he is an older dad. He's an older man. Well, that scene with with the with the dog coming down the street, I cannot. I cannot with that dog. It bums me out so hard. <laughs> oh man, just. <laughs> but I I love but it. I love in the movie so much. There's this really great moment. And I mean, they describe it in the book too, where he has to take off his glasses. Mm-hmm. But the way Gregory Peck plays that, it's just this really great subtle moment of him trying to like line up the shot and his glasses are in the way and he throws them off and he's doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so great that it kind of distracts for a minute that he's about to shoot a dog. I don't care if it's a mangy dog. I know. It still bums me out. Well, and that whole thing of seeing your parents as an actual badass. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Scout was like, our dad's old. Our he dad, doesn't shoot. He doesn't do anything. He yeah. just reads books and lawyery stuff. Yeah. And I mean, he's great dad. Like, they love him. But yeah. She's they, like, he doesn't, meh. He wouldn't do that. And then Miss Maudie's like, no, your dad's the best shot in the county. And he just doesn't do it anymore. Just doesn't. Yeah. Um, which then again brings us to the title of the book. Yes. Because Atticus Finch gives his kids uh, air rifles, BB guns. Yes. And it's like, shoot all the blue jays you want, but it's, but it's a, a sin, sin to kill, kill a mockingbird. Um, which, I think it's so funny when you Google this, because I was Googling quotes. I'm like, quick, quick give me some quotes. Um, the, one of the uh, questions that auto-populates is, what does the term to kill a mockingbird mean? 
like somebody was clear. Uh, of course. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of high school students are Googling that. Is that is a term. What is the term? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Oh, silly children. Silly children. But I think that goes right back to um, our friend Tom Robinson. Yep. I, he did nothing but be kind and try to help a girl. And he, he was just kind of a lovely human. Yep. And for that, he was killed. And that's his, the mockingbird of the title, in my his opinion. His greatest sin in the courtroom is saying he felt sorry, sorry for, for her. He felt sorry. Uh, how dare a black man feel sorry for a white woman? And this a, a white woman who deserved everyone's pity because she mm-hmm. was in the shittiest of circumstances. And the fact that they wouldn't let him display that human compassion... That, that his greatest sin was daring to have compassion? Fuck that town. I mean, all signs point to... That courtroom scene makes me so mad every time. Just because all signs point to... Like, I still have a second where I'm like, it's going to be fine. The fact that he still gets convicted is just it's terrible. Terrible. Oh, yeah, so uh, Miss Maudie is saying at this point... Your father's right. Mockingbirds don't do one thing but make music for us to enjoy. They don't eat up people's gardens, don't nest in corn cribs. They don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. That's why it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. And then that's Tom. He's And in a way, boo, because later when the whole incident happens, um, oh, um, and they decide to say that Yule uh, fell on his knife. Which brings us to Heck Tate, who... Tate! Heck Tate, man. Give it up for hero. We're snapping. Yeah. Just at the end, when he's like, no, he fell on his knife. And yeah. Atticus is like, no, I'll take... No, I'll, it, we need to... Yeah. No, 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 no Atticus. No, no, no. We're not protecting you. We're not protecting your kid. We are protecting Boo fucking Bradley. Yeah. Who will... This will kill him. This... Yeah. If we make him come into a public courthouse... Ugh. It's just terrifying. Like, poor Boo. And, of course, yes, he fell on his knife. Like, we don't, we don't need to ruin more lives because of the Yules. Because, of a, murder, because a murderous man was killed by, by someone protecting children. Right. Like, we don't need to he ruin more lives. He was trying to kill his kids. How terrible. The, the image she does of the, the shiny silver scores across the chicken coop inside her ham costume, you're like... Oh shit, Scout, that ham costume totally saved your life. Uh, by the way, ham costume. <laughs> by the way, ham co- Well, I guess I know what we're doing for Comic Con this year. Ham costumes. Ham costumes. <laughs> Baby, you got a stew going on. <laughs> Hot ham water. Hot ham water. Uh, oh, <laughs> we've devolved. Anything else serious we talk about? I mean, we talked about it being a movie, like the, a fantastic movie. Well, yeah. Um, Oh, will you please say some of the movie things that you were telling me earlier? Like, oh yeah, there's a lot of really great uh, stories around the movie um, and different interesting facts and things. And I really do recommend you. Re- it's on Netflix now, so if oh yeah, it's on Netflix. If you've right never now. seen it before, just do. It's very very good, and it came out in 1962, so it was pretty shortly after the, the book. book. Yeah, um, two years. Wow. If you ever listen to a Craigslist podcast, they did a episode. It's on Craigslist. Lauren, it's in his top one hundred movies. What's uh, what's Craigslist podcast? Oh well, um, that is a podcast with fellow improvisers and friends, uh, Craig Kukowski and Carla Kukowski, and they talk about Craig's 
top 100 movies, and one of those movies was To Kill a Mockingbird, so they did a whole episode about the movie. I have to go listen to that And now. it's very good. So if you want more about the movie, find that, or watch the movie, obviously. But, um, well, the children who played uh, Scout and Jem never did anything else. Wow. They didn't act in anything else, which I find interesting. No, but my favorite in the story that I told Jess before we started, because it makes me want to cry, is that... Um, so Atticus was based on uh, Harper Lee's father, and um, as soon as they, I, I did read too that the first scene that um, Gregory Peck sh shot was just one of where he's coming home from um, the office and the kids run up to him like they do in the, all the time to greet him, and Harper Lee was on set watching, and I guess she became very overwhelmed because he looked so much like her father, and... Um, so she told him that and everything. And then during the course of the movie, her father passed away. But I guess Gregory Peck had gotten to meet him. Oh, cool. Wow. Which is really great. And so uh, after he passed away and after the movie opened, Harper Lee gave um, Gregory Peck her father's pocket watch and oh. chain. And then he was wearing said pocket watch and chain when he won the Academy Award for the movie. And that's amazing. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're I'm not crying. crying. You're crying. Um, and along with that, uh, the actor Brock Peters, who played Tom Robinson in the movie, um, he delivered Gregory Peck's eulogy when he passed away in June of 2003. That's lovely. Um, and that was another story I read, too, was that I guess when they were filming some of the court scenes, the the actor playing Tom started crying and they hadn't rehearsed it that way. And so Gregory Peck had to like look off past him and couldn't make eye contact because he didn't want to start <laughs> crying as well. Those Jeez. scenes are, that scene's so emotional. It's... The whole, and he, he did, um, his big, like nine minute, like his big speech, one take, first take. Fuck you, Gregory Peck. You're God amazing. Damn it, Gregory you Peck. Me? First take took it. Yeah. So he's just, Incredible, and I feel like his performance alone is worth the movie. But the movie does, it really, I think, because I can be iffy with movies mm -hmm. based on books. Um, well, especially based on perfect books. And especially, yeah, and this is a really great adaptation. I feel like they distilled it to all the right stuff mm -hmm. because they, the things they eliminated are, like I said, like, you know, the side, some of the side plot was the family and having when Aunt Alexandra come and live with them. They don't go into that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was all my movie stories. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So when Boo Radley is finally revealed, yeah, I, I felt weird for about five seconds as I was like, he's kind of, he's kind of good looking. Then I found out it's a young Robert Duvall Shut. and he's uncredited and it was his first movie. I didn't know that was a young Robert Duvall. Oh, I was like, why am I mildly attracted to Boo? This is uncomfortable. Oh, no. I felt a little better when I found out it was Robert Duvall. I, I feel better, too. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, but that moment is so great when, and in the book, too. Yeah, when she just looks over, hey, wait, hey, boo. Hey, boo. Because he's just been kind of standing in the room the whole time. And, mm -hmm. and then they, cor the and then, corrects oh, yeah. her. No, that's Mr. Is Arthur it, Radley. Mr. Arthur Radley. Oh, okay, sorry. It's just so beautiful. Um, I love all of the... Li looking back, when you realize that Boo wasn't scary, 
looking back on all the things that he did. Like when Jem gets his pants stuck and Boo he folds them. Folds them up and puts them over. Puts them over the fence. He is. He's just such a caretaker of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just don't even know. Mm-mm. And then at the end, like she knows that and she knows that he's going back into the house. And I can only imagine that it sort of feels like having a guardian angel hanging out. That like Scout's like, all right, you know what? Our neighbor's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Even I don't see him. We don't give him Christmas presents, but he's, he's there. there. Yeah. And I love, um, and I'd kind of forgotten this happened until I reread it this time, but I love at the end, she has that brief moment where she's kind of talking like in third person mm-hmm. and going through the seasons and she keeps saying his children. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's talking about Atticus and Boo. Oh, I totally agree. Yep. Um, and it's so well written and sweet. Well, and the movie ends the same way the book does, which is nice. I always love when the final lines of a film are the same as the book. Well, why? Yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, no. Don't make it different for the sake of being different. Mm-mm. So, why did we have to read this book? I mean, it's a classic. Duh. I don't see why you wouldn't have to read this book. Everybody should have to read this book. Although you found. I, this is one of the most <laughs> banned books in the country. Uh, and like we were saying, like it's not entirely surprising that that might happen. And in fact, sometimes I can't believe an eighth grader would read this. But I think if you're saying, why do you read it? I think this is a good way to kind of address some of these adult themes mm-hmm. through the context of Scout. Yeah. I, but, I mean, yeah. By the time you're in eighth grade the world is already a scary place. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time you're in eighth grade, you should have your eyes open to go, there is sexual assault. There is racism. There is violence against women. Um, There is horrible language being thrown around the world. And I think that via Scout's Eyes is an easier way to give it to a child or to uh, deliver that to a middle schooler. Because I, so I read this eighth grade-ish and early 90s, and it was in Southern California, and it was Whiteville. Like, we were a very white suburb. It was Southern California in the 90s, and reading this was shocking and saddening and depressing and uh, 100% worth it because you can't be ignorant forever. Like, I think protecting an eighth grader from this book is wrapping them in ignorance, and you're not doing them a service. Similar for me, too, because I was in a very white, suburban part of Arizona, so Mm -hmm. a lot of the circumstances in this book were things that I never really stopped to reflect on. Um, Well, and then coming out um, of this, you don't realize that when you're in middle school, early high school, in almost an all-white area. But then, fucking, right after I read this, like, the Rodney King verdict happened. Right. And the shit was hitting the fan. And had I not read this, I think I would have had a different lens. Mm. I, it, it sucks when you grow up and you realize the world is hard. And you've had it really easy. Yes. I think this book is one of those things. Like, whether you are somebody who's had it hard and you read this and go, oh, holy shit this is amazing, or it's some you've had it very easy your whole life, and you read this and go, oh, not everybody has that, and I need to check my fucking privilege. Right. Oh, and one last scene that I 
that we didn't talk about mm. yet that I want to is when Calpurnia takes them to her church. Holy crap. This the whole everything around that, the build up to it. Well, it I mean this stuff with Scout and her dress is hysterical. Mm-hmm. But then I mean just all of that and her, her behavior there and them seeing kind of a different side of her mm-hmm. but what their church is like compared to it, it the whole thing I loved that I love that whole part that's something that they don't put in the movie too Mm-mm. that scene's not in there but um but just another thing too of kind of what Scout and Jem have in their heads of what her church is like Versus when they go and actually see it and the way that they're treated. I mean, they're treated like little child royalty for going to her church. Yeah. And they're like, we're just regular kids. We're just regular kids. But they're there with Cal and they're mm-hmm. the white kids of Atticus Finch, who is an upstanding member of this community. And Oh, that and that scene in the movie is so powerful when he leaves the courthouse after the verdict and they all stand up and they say... <laughs> And they say, you st- stand up for your father, yep. Scout. Your father's passing by. Oh, Just because... I'm going to cry again. <laughs> it's Atticus aims to defend him. That part. Like, they could have given any public defender that case. And it's like, nope, Atticus means to defend him. Mm-hmm. Anybody else would have sloughed off that duty. And Atticus is like, no, I think he knew it was doomed from the start. Of course. But, he, but that's really showing what the integrity of a lawyer, too. I mean... I feel like there's so many portrayals of lawyers that are not positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is them showing one who really is advocating for justice and who is going to defend a client no matter what and who is honoring what yeah. his position is. He knows his chances are slim, maybe mm-hmm. non-existent, and he's like, I am still going to load for bear and I'm going to go in there. And his arguments are solid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He won that case. Oh, 100% he did. Oh, it makes me so mad. Well, the one quote <laughs> I, I wanted to pull from this, and I just scrolled past one that you posted on Facebook recently, was um, mm. a scout. Mine is a scout and Atticus conversation. And scout says, Atticus, he was real nice. And scout Atticus says, most people are scout when you finally see them. Yes. And he's talking about boo. Mm-hmm. And those are the things. Like, That's at the end, right? That's yep. towards the end of the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think of like when we just get mad at people in Facebook comments and just start screaming and saying terrible things. And you're like, if we went face to face, we wouldn't. Like right. if you met somebody face to face or the, what show the other week had um, a dreamer family and a MAGA oh, family? Oh, uh, Kimmel. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but you're like, it's the fact great. that you can go face to face with somebody and not be real nice, that you can look at another human being, not over your keyboard, but like, I wish that this held true. I'm holding up my phone and shaking it as if you guys can see the quote. <laughs> the humanity of a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that all comes back to what you said about Atticus, how he talks to every human being as if they're equals. And I think that that's one of the themes that Harper Lee is trying to get us to learn through this book is... The greater humanity just be <laughs> that surround us. Good fucking person. We're all just we're all just people. God damn it. We're all just. Oh, I wanted to touch back on why the the banning, the most oh, recent. Banning. That's right. We we were going there and then we spun off. Yeah, and we got tangential. Um, the most recent banning was in Biloxi, Mississippi, in 2016, and the article that I pulled up was you know listing reasons that the book was, has been banned, um, uh, including you know a rape 
depiction of sexual assault, being uncomfortable for children, language, the N-word is all over this book, which is hard to read. It's tough now to read, yeah. It's tough to read, but you you know what? People said it in 1930, in 1960, and in 2018, so maybe we should acknowledge the fact that it exists and it's ugly but um there I well and it's interesting with that bit to see through the book who Mm -hmm. who tries to say don't say that anymore and who doesn't yeah I love when scouts like well everybody at school says that Maddox is like well then it's everybody minus one Mm -hmm. you're not gonna say that Mm -hmm. so the most current challenge is um the Biloxi school board in 2016 they tried to get it removed from eighth grade curriculums because um the Biloxi school board just says it quote makes people uncomfortable (laughs) To which, um, you know, this counter-argument in this article is uh, the whole point to classics is they challenge the way we think about things. Fuck you. You can't not... I can't, I can't live in a world where things can get banned because they make somebody uncomfortable. <laughs> if you don't make yourself uncomfortable, you're not going to learn anything. Uh, I, I need oh. to go fly to Biloxi, it seems. Oh we need God. to go have a talk with some people. We need to go have a conversation. Yeah. Um. So I have to admit, I was kind of despairing because I couldn't remember any Simpsons references or Simpsons quotes about To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, right. And I couldn't remember off the top of my head either, but I Googled it. What? And then I found one, and it's pretty great. Let's listen. I'll have to read Marge's book, and I swore never to read again after To Kill a Mockingbird gave me no useful advice on killing mockingbirds. It did teach me not to judge a man based on the color of his skin, but what good does that do me? Oh, Homer, you scamp. <laughs> you rascal. <laughs> that quote was from an episode called Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. It was in 2004. Oh, well, that's just delightful. And apparently there's also an itchy and scratchy cartoon called To Kill a Talking Bird. But oh. We're not going to play that audio. Yeah, it's just squishy uh, gut sounds and blood, <laughs> blood splatter, <laughs> beating. Um, but speaking of squishy gut sounds and blood splatter. Um, <laughs> What's our next book? Yeah, exactly. Squishy gut sounds and blood splatter is actually a really good clue for our next one. Because yes. there's a lot of stabbing. There's lots of stabbing. Um, and, and it's not a book. It's not a book. It's not a novel. It's not a short story. It's a play it's script. It's a play script. Uh, just in time for a post-Valentine's debrief on Wednesday, December 21st. December 21st. Oh, good God. Good God. On Wednesday... <laughs> February 21st. I don't know what month it is. February 21st, we're going to drop our post-Valentine's Day episode all about Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, about a couple of crazy kids who just can't seem to work it out. I was shocked. I always forgot that we had to read plays in school. Yeah, I think that that was the only one I had to read. That Other Shakespeare, too, I think maybe. Did you have to read Julius Caesar? Maybe. I had to read Macbeth. Maybe Macbeth. I think Macbeth. That's a much more fun one to talk about. Um, Yeah, (sighs) wait, what are we doing? Right? We're doing... Nah, screw it. We're still going to talk about Romeo and Juliet. And we're going to do it with our mouths stuffed full of fucking half-price Valentine's Day candy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, God. Let's just read the bargain bin. No, don't let me near King Super's bargain aisle. I'm going to get you all the doves and make you read the quotes (laughs) before you can say anything. (laughs) So if you have any conversation hearts... That you want to tweet at us? That is from Romeo and Juliet. From Romeo and Juliet. Stab you? (laughs) (laughs) I have so many feelings about Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, all the feelings. And you know what I think I'm going to want to do, though, is watch the uh, Baz Luhrmann movie again. 
Yeah. Just for kicks. Yeah, don't watch the Orlando Bloom one. Oh, God, no. It's real bad. Ooh. Yeah, so that's what's on the docket. So, So, um, uh, you know, if you haven't, if you've, by some miracle, never had to read Romeo and Juliet in your life, get on that immediately. Um, or if you're feeling lazy, you can watch any of the movies. Right. Baz Luhrmann, thumbs up. I um, think the Orlando Bloom's a little iffy. And there's the original where you see her boob for like Yeah, two that seconds. was scandalous. Yeah, um, so hey, if you want, well, no, you don't see Claire Dane's boobs. Nah. So, so uh, grab your book, grab a DVD of your favorite version of the movie, <laughs> and get all the half-priced Valentine's candy you can shove down your throat. <laughs> join us on the 21st for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and in the meantime, if you have any... Um, Comments about To Kill a Mockingbird, you can tweet at us at hashtag R-R-T-K-A-M. I don't know if that's right. Yeah, T-K-A-M. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag R-R-T-K-A-M. You can tweet. Use that hashtag on any of our social media. We are at R-E-Q Readcast on Twitter and Instagram. Or just a hashtag and just smash your keyboard with your hands because that's like That's what all of our... Hashtags really are. It's just a series of random letters. Mess. Um, or if you want to be proactive about it, are we just going to do R and... Well, you can't really type R and J. We'll figure one out for we'll, the... We'll make a good one. Don't you worry. It'll be awesome. Um, yeah, so find us on all the social media. Yeah, like and, our Facebook. Yeah, and uh, get geared up for our next episode on the 21st. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, stay gold there, boo. Yeah, stay gold there, uh, Dill. <laughs> stay gold there, Charles Baker Harris, who can read. <laughs> Stay gold, mail. I hope you oh. uh, found a better life for yourself. Oh, God. Yeah, we're wishing the best for you there, kid. <laughs> Not going to work out. Stay gold, Atticus. Oh, Aww. stay gold, Calpurnia. Stay gold, make em Alabama. <laughs> stay gold, Jessica. Stay gold, Lauren. This has been a sex pot comedy joint. Collaborative, community-driven comedy produced by Andy Jewett and Kayvon Kalitvari. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, with technical support from Isaac Miller. Every day at sexpotcomedy.com or at a show near you. Until next time, be well, friends.